All right. Uh, John, let's get to the game itself. I'm sure Deshaun will come up multiple times between now and the end of this episode of the podcast, but let's get to the game itself. Brown's coming to town on Sunday. They are a seven point favorite as we sit right now um, uh, against the Houston Texans uh, noon kick on Sunday. We do a pregame six pack before each and every Texans game to give you some storylines, wrinkles, people to watch in this game. So John, I let you go first. As always, the honor is yours. Oh, gosh, there's so much. I'm going to say when I look at this game, based on what's happened the last two games, the most important person is Pep Hamilton. Pep Hamilton's offense has been the worst I've ever seen in the first half of the last two games. They, If they get off to another bad start, they're going to get booed like crazy. They're going to get booed by more than Watson. He has to do something besides a three and an out or a turnover or a handoff Dari Goombawali on the first play. Pep Hamilton has to come out in this game and help them do what they did against Philadelphia, which was undefeated at the time. Two Davis Mills touchdown passes in the first half, one in the first quarter. And I thought, man, this offense has finally turned it around. And now I'm a moron. John, we all are. Uh, it's with certain aspects of this team. I Just the, the numbers for, for some context for people. They've played the, the last five games. In four of them, they've been utterly – awful in the first half the philadelphia game was the one outlier as you mentioned the other four games tennessee uh the giants the commanders and the dolphins last week in those four games they've averaged a little under 40 yards in the first half in each of those games total total yards and john that much they under four well the 86 yards they got against the giants really helps the overall number um, but they, <laughs> true story. Um, but they average, they're averaging just under 40 yards, uh, total yards on offense in the first half of those four games. John, here's the, here's the kicker. The average ranking of those four defenses, according to football outsiders, DVOA rankings, efficiency, 18th. So it's not like they're going against the purple people eaters and the steel curtain and the 85 bears and the 2000 Ravens. Like they're going against on what on the aggregate, are defenses that are below average in in those four games? That's awful. It's just awful. Sean, the the uh, if they cannot they. Here's what happened, and the Titans exposed them. If you've got good interior defensive alignment, yeah. you dominate. You put an extra guy in the box, you totally shut down the run, and you're not scared of the quarterback. Now, the Browns are one of the worst teams in the league in run defense. Texans, of course, the worst, even though they're coming off their best game against Miami. But they, the Browns have given up 134 yards a game rushing. If they can't get Damian Pierce back on track, and it's not Pierce, it's the offensive line, if they can't run the ball against the Browns, they're not going to run the ball against anybody. No. Cleveland's defense has been a big disappointment, but Miles Garrett has 10 sacks. Nobody else has three. But, man, oh, man, if they, they think about against Philadelphia and uh, the Giants, they averaged – Damian Pierce averaged 116.5 yards a game rushing. And those are two good teams. Yeah. And in fact, every team you mentioned are all good teams that will be or have a good chance to be in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. What they've done to shut down the run by dominating the interior is embarrassing. Yeah. When no you're doubt. playing Justin McRae, who's terrible, Ugh. 
in, in place of Kenyan green, yeah, because green has struggled so bad. That is kind of the ultimate insult. Yeah, what are we doing exactly? All right, John. My first one is Damian Pierce. They got to get something out of Damian Pierce. This kind of plays hand in hand with your Pep Hamilton take, but you're talking about getting off to a fast start. This is obviously a game, and any game for the Texans is one where they're going to establish the run. I was listening to, to Kevin Stefanski's press conference uh, a little earlier before you and I went live. And he, as most coaches do, give their scouting report on the opponent, you know, what they've seen on film for about a minute or two before taking questions. And I would say of the, let's say at 90 seconds that Stefanski spent on the Texans, I would say that 50 to 60 seconds of it was praise of Damian Pierce. And the other 30 was just really him just spewing falsehoods about how good certain other. Now he did mention special teams, special teams are legit good. So of the couple of minutes he talked, special teams got mentioned. I'm I'm a Frank Ross guy. Um, but Damian Pierce, John has to get going again for this team. Eight yards in each of the last two games is unacceptable. Not only for me as a Damian Pierce fan, but those poor fantasy owners out there for Damian Pierce. Let's say a prayer for those people, John prayers for Damian Pierce and prayers for people that own him in fantasy. And minus six, uh, before he ever gets to the line of scrimmage, it's not Damian Pierce. It's the offensive line. It's Pat Hamilton's play calls. And and uh, Pierce is not all of a sudden a bad runner, but every time he gets the ball, he's getting hit immediately, and especially in the backfield. I, Sean, I can't understand how the offensive line could do such a good job run blocking in two games and then turn around in the next two games and just get overwhelmed. And Miami's defense is not great, but they do have two ones. Among their pass rushers, they have two ones in those tackle Raquan Davis was a two, but still they didn't dominate others like that. So yep. right now, how long have we been talking about an offensive line? We thought the problem was solved in 19, and then it's been a problem in 20, 21, and 22. And I can't understand how players and coaches come and go, and it's still an issue. Yeah, it's been a problem for a long time. I mean, it it predates even 1918. Like, it probably like goes back to like when Dwayne Brown was still here. The offensive line has been a problem. All right, what's your next one, John? Uh, my next one would be Kyle Allen because he's starting his second game. Yeah, he had to be graded with a curve. It was his first game in two years. Plus, he's not very good. He was an undrafted free agent, so I don't know what we expected. People just wanted to see him be better than Davis Mills, and and overall, I don't think he was. I thought he made some good plays. But if you go back, Mills made some good plays. Fact is, their quarterbacking is bad, and they don't help him now with the running game. They don't help him with the pass protection. He was sacked, what, five times? Mm-hmm. And so if, if, if you don't have a running game, they, and they have everything shut down, and they just tee off on you, I feel sorry for him. They're going to have to – if they don't double Miles Garrett all the time, and I don't care which side he's on and who he's going against, he's going to just crush Kyle Allen. Allen's got to get rid of the ball quick. I would never have more than a three-step drop. He has to get rid of it fast. Yep, I would agree. I would agree with that. John, mine – you mentioned the pass rush on the Cleveland side. I'm going to go with the pass rush for my next one in the pregame six-pack on the Texan side, which has shown signs of life lately, particularly in that Miami game. They they had four sacks of Tua Tungavailoa before they took two out of that game. So that was one of the parts of the defense, one of the few parts of the defense that was actually clicking against uh, Miami during that game through the time that Tua 
was was out there. Jerry Hughes has been outstanding this year. Malik Collins got a nice push from the inside in that Miami game. Um, and I think, quite honestly, I'm forget about strategy and football and getting behind the chains and all this. I think there's a lot of Texan fans that want to see Deshaun Watson get hit really, really hard in this game. Point blank, straight up, simple. As, as Lovey Smith would say, simple as that, John. I think there are Texan fans that want to see somebody come off the edge and blister Deshaun Watson. If that happens and somebody blisters him and he stays down hurt, will they cheer? When Dan Pastorini was here, Dan was a third overall pick, 71, and he stepped into a horrible situation with Bill Peterson, and they were terrible. They didn't have much talent, and he struggled early, even though he was loaded with talent. Fans cheered when he got hurt, when he was down. Yeah. It was awful. So I'm wondering now, would they cheer if Watson gets hurt and stays down? And uh, what do you think? I think that I, I don't think it'll be like Philly cheering Michael Irvin going down uh, back in the day. Um, I think there will be people that cheer because we're talking about a stadium full of thousands of people and there's always going to be a lower lowest common denominator out there. I think the thing that makes it strange is that I, I think there's a chance that at least half the crowd are Cleveland fans, you know, so so they're obviously not going to be cheering. I don't think if Deshaun goes down, you know, maybe some of them feel a certain kind of way about Deshaun still. Um, but, uh, but if they traveled this far to see this game, I'm guessing that they are fans of Watson, the player, at least it's not, you know, even if they're not fans of Watson, the massage patient. So, um, uh, I'm going to say, yes, a smattering, if he goes down and he stays down, there will be a smattering of, of probably likely very drunk fans that do give sort of a Bronx cheer to that whole thing. Can you imagine if he say he got hurt and had to leave, then it's Jacoby Brissett versus Kyle Allen. Hell, half the stadium might just empty. It might be empty anyways, but yeah, no, no, John. like when you say that to me, I'm like, uh, when you say, imagine it's Jacoby Brissett versus Kyle Allen. I'm so desensitized to the crappiness of all this right now. I'm like, okay, yeah, that sucks. Guess what else has sucked? The last eight games, they've all sucked. <laughs> it's been terrible or whatever it's been since they actually won a game. All right, John, last one for you, pregame six pack. Um, I think they that uh, the Browns have really one receiver that can count on. Amari Cooper made mm -hmm. two great plays in overtime on catches from Jacoby Brissett. First one wiped out because he stepped out of bounds. They've got to be able to cover him because you know Watson's going to throw the ball to him a lot. And I don't know if Derek Stingley's coming back. He was not on the field Wednesday when the media was there, but Lovey Smith let slip about the possibility of him covering Cooper. Whoever it is who's covering Cooper, and I think you should double him, they can't let Amari Cooper beat him down the field. This team has been good about not giving up big pass plays for touchdowns. You know, Tyreek Hill didn't score. Jalen Waddle didn't score. The longest play they allowed was 34 yards, and Waddle was covered great. Bam J. Stewart made a fantastic catch, and Cooper likes the deep ball. They can't let Amari Cooper beat them. Let uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones or David Njoku or, or – you know, then you know the Browns are going to run the ball a lot with Nick Chubb, but don't let Cooper. So I would say whoever is covering Cooper has got to be able to play a really good game. Did you see the catch that Njoku made, that touchdown catch in the last game, John, against Tampa Bay? I did not. Holy smokes. It was a one-handed catch. It was a really good catch. That, that contract got a lot of heat from Cleveland people, that contract that they gave Njoku this offseason. Um, and, uh, and he's – 
I don't know. I I don't know what his overall stats are, but man, he makes plays sometimes that really that really pop. When I think of Njoku now, I think of uh, Pharaoh Brown saying that uh, he wants to get that bag like Njoku and make some catches this year. I guess he has to be on a team to do that. I think he's on Cleveland now. He's actually, on for... the Browns. Yes. Does he play? Uh, I have no idea. And see- Njoku, I don't know if he's been hurt, but he doesn't have an inordinate number of catches there's there's cooper and then there's a big drop off yeah. between people's jones who's second and joku's third well that's the texans defense can be star makers john as we've learned throughout this season though if guys don't have catches they can gear up and get some against the uh against i'm guessing durham Smythe didn't have a ton of catches for the dolphins and he caught the first touchdown of the game on on, <laughs> on sunday um, last one for me, John, I'll always mix it in. We mentioned special teams earlier, Texans right now on, on football outsiders, they are sixth on special teams. So Frank Ross continues to do good things with that team. And they, and they made, made some plays in the second half of that game in the return game against the dolphins to at least get the Texans to within shouting distance. Cleveland special teams are not good. They are 25th. So if the Texans are going to pull off the upset, John plays on special teams, they need to score at least one touchdown in each half and maybe more for the Texans to win a game. <laughs> the special teams do? You need two yeah. touchdowns from special teams? At least two for the Texans to have a chance to win. Oh, my God. All right, John, what's your prediction for this thing? Uh, I'm going to predict the uh, – um, let's see, since uh, since Miami had 30 at home, I'm going to say the Browns have – 27 and Texans have 13. I have 30 to 13, John. You and I are simpatico on this. I have 30 to 13 on my great minds think alike. You got that right. You got that great minds think alike, like six and 11 for the Texans in 2022. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Wish we had a do over. I know. 